climbing. I just I, I like to pretend that I'm going climbing every single day. So when do you when do you go from long trousers to short then? I tend, it, not, I tend not like to wear when, shorts. When school tells you to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the summer term at school, you when have to wear shorts. Says, even when it's eight degrees, you have to wear shorts. Well, when you're I doing your daisy chains in the, in the, I in don't, the field. I'm not a massive shorts wearer. Mm. In that I don't wear massive shorts. <laughs> you like tight shorts. One of really small. Mainly because of your muscular thighs. <laughs> one, of the things that, one of the things that amuses me greatly about where we live in South Manchester is, you know, at the end of March, March in Manchester, you get that sudden sort of glorious two or three days of sunshine, yeah, which yeah. makes you believe, yeah, <laughs> you know, spring is sprung and indeed summer is round the corner. It, without exception, immediately men in their 20s in South Manchester have suddenly got flip flops and cargo shorts on yeah. and that's it. They're in and out of Tesco's dressed like that for the rest of the year. Like, 12 degrees, people. <laughs> I once dated a girl for the entire period of the March hot spell that's as long as the relationship lasted it was about three weeks it was like glorious weather the entire time then she she did that whole kind of ghost dumping thing and i um so you know so hang on, was, that, was that ghost dumping or was it ghost dumping? <laughs> <laughs> she, she so, went to stump so that, and, and i couldn't see so it that film 500 days of summer yours was like 72 days no, of it's 72 hours of summer 12 to 14 I'd imagine <laughs> so was the relationship a hot spell <laughs> nice not really nice <laughs> not really Don't think how old were you that's appropriate um, I don't know about 28 oh so it's quite recently then. <laughs> yeah warm sticky and humid like 12 oh, oh Stephen that's oh. so inappropriate I'm not even the, the four guys are sweating more than they well, should I'd already take I know what you say about the cargo pants I take exception to people walking down the street in this country with their tops off yeah I there's think that, absolutely yeah. no somebody, reason somebody this last weekend that. which was quite pleasant went running with their top off they were slightly large of girth there, well, there was some permanent you've, movement you've got yes. to be peak Mitch Buchanan to get away with that haven't you do you know what reference he's making there Chief? uh this blank look on my face probably tells you, know, roughly, you when you what? when you were winning the FA Cup we were all watching Baywatch Baywatch yeah Mitch I, Buchanan is David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. Do we know broken windows theory? Malcolm Gladwell and certain people who have stolen much of his work. Uh, <laughs> Gladwell writes about broken windows theory, which is now widely discredited, but it's basically that if you live in a bad area that has seen urban decay, yes. and you fix the windows in the buildings that have been smashed up, yes. then that improves kind of people's desire to, to look after the area, and therefore by, by sort of looking after the, this one small thing, you have much bigger effects. Mm-hmm. In Gladwell's account, although, as I say, since, di- since discredited, putting that, that element of his work and those people who've just copied him, uh, making that slightly problematic, uh, there'll be a small proportion of people who understand who I mean. He says that the New York City police sort of took that approach when they arrested lots of people who were jumping onto the subway without paying mm-hmm. and then saw a massive decrease in crime. And the theory is, look after one small thing. Yes. I think you could do the same thing with... People who walk around in Britain with their shirts off in the spring and quite a lot of low-level, petty criminals, to be perfectly honest. Well, arrest them. I think if you arrested everyone wearing no shirt, every man wearing no shirt between March and July the 19th, <laughs> you would see a massive decrease in crime. I agree. I think that would be that is the way to solve. Why won't someone put that on their bloody manifesto? I was just about to say now. Yes. If you're gonna if you're gonna propose it, now is the time. I'll tell you what, if the Greens put that on their manifesto. <laughs> uh, welcome to Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. Let me introduce you to the team. Should you be new? Andy Hinchcliffe is a former England international who has spent the day so far helping his stepdaughter move into her new house. Oh, no heroic. Rory Smith is a writer for the New 
New York Times, who spent the day so far helping his dog do whatever he wants in his house. So he is fully house trained, I should point Steve Wyeth is a commentator for BT Sport, who has spent the day so far trying to get out of his house. And I'm Hugh Ferris, who will be spending the rest of the day chained to the dinner table in my house, editing out all the inappropriate words, stories, and probably from Chinch 1970s TV sitcom S casual racism. That's to come <laughs> for me for the rest of the day. So he does know you well. We have a set piece menu first today. And wearing is, a tie. That is, um, first of all, I'm wearing a tie. Uh, who didn't get the dress code memo? Okay. Um, me. You. Um, we also have no food. And perhaps, Rory, you'd like to tug on our heartstrings and, and, and explain explain why this, this table is bare. Because it's my turn to host, which I'm delighted, delighted to see you all here. Um, it's lovely to have you around. It's just nice to have company. Uh, because I have spent the last two days on my sickbed. Uh, caused not by Steve's son George, who did not give me a virus, uh, but by some. You're un- saying not, but your face is saying you are blaming him. Caused by some unknown assailant uh, in the virus world. Yeah, I've been ill for a couple of days. I had to miss a game for the first time, can, I think, ever. Can a small child having chicken pox give you a chest infection? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. It's quite a leap, isn't it? I'm not if a only, doctor. If only you had somebody in the family who, yeah, who, was, yes. who was a doctor. Yeah, but she yes. is now disgraced. Is, distra- is now disgraced, yeah. Does she only ever prescribe paracetamol and sleep? <laughs> and well, she's, she's very busy making slightly disfigured cakes as well, so. <laughs> Leave my mum's cakes out of this, Ginge. It's just not fair. When, when are we having some more? Well, when I let's go home. Oh. She, she always makes them when I go home. Oh. So have, especially when I'm ill. <laughs> have, you spo- have you spoken to um, the former? Dr. Smith about your chronic disgraced Dr. Smith. Disgraced Dr. Smith. And, uh, and no. has she suggested that you take some paracetamol? I don't need to. Sleep? I don't need to speak to her because I know what she'd say. She'd say take some paracetamol and go to bed. Right. That's what she says about everything. I remember when my brother broke his leg. That was that was her solution. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Ointment. That's what you need. Ointment. <laughs> <laughs> Regular application. I'm now just stealing Jackson. lotion. I'm just stealing Jackson Blackadder. This is disgraceful. <laughs> Thank you for all your tweets and emails. Knowing you're out there is tremendously gratifying to us. At Set Piece Menu is where you can find us on Twitter. Menu at gmail.com is where more and more of you are getting in touch. So thank you very much indeed. If you are new to Set Piece Menu, or perhaps you just listened to this one as your first, maybe your second, and you haven't gone back too far, can I remind everybody that of all our 20-odd uh, episodes, that they are all timeless. The topics are timeless. You can listen to them uh, at any point. So please do go back. Be thorough. Listen to everyone. Helps the metrics. Uh, so, for example, you can enjoy us asking the question, is football fun anymore? Or did football lead the way in a post-truth society? You can also subscribe, review, rate, and continue to tell your friends. Thank you very much indeed. Fun fact, last time I had a look, because there's a way of finding these things out, I discovered we are enjoyed in 157 countries You're joking. around the world. staggering, isn't it? 157 no. countries. Portugal, Chinch, mm. probably down to just you listening to your own voice. Yes. I think it's ninth on the list of Seriously? most popular subscribers. What's the most obscure country that's listening to Well, us? after it gets down to one, yes. it just says, and 50 other countries. Oh. So it's not necessarily so specific. But mm. I'll tell you what, if you uh, talk amongst yourselves for about 20 seconds, I'll be able to tell you. Are okay. we counting like Scotland and Wales as separate countries? Or does that all count? United Kingdom, unfortunately, no. okay. is, is one on well, the there list. There we go. We can add what? We can, Where would you, hang on, have you changed that down you then? Changed our bit, header we? on SoundCloud to the Family Guy thing. I have just just for the just for the background thing. Where would you like to be heard? Which country do you feel needs this podcast more than any other? Djibouti. Djibouti. Yeah. I'm looking up yeah. Djibouti. And mm. I don't, Maldives has two. There's two, what, there's two people in the Maldives? Montenegro, Estonia, Brazil, Belarus, Romania, Chile, all in there. 
With one. Do you know I what? One single person. <laughs> Maldives, Maldives, that is two people whose honeymoon wasn't going <laughs> as yes. planned. That's what that is. And they suddenly yes. found themselves with some time to fill. Yes. So we're doing quite well in Australia. Australia's good. United States is currently second in the list to the United Kingdom. So thanks very much. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Yeah, we're um, popular with the Irish. I mean, that's not a surprise. Spread the word, if you can, to other countries and get yourself well, on also, that list. If you're like the one guy in Chile, or girl in Chile, who's listening, tell your friends. Yeah. And, and let us know, get in man. touch, you be, deserve some credit. Be responsible for a 100% increase in Chilean listeners. Sorry, Chilean listeners. Uh, we're going to actually spend the next couple of weeks leaning on some of that impressively intelligent audience, as it turns out, um, as we have been prompted into our discussions by listeners' suggestions. Yeah, we forgot to give credit last week to Andy McKinley, whose idea was the entire podcast where we discussed three at the back. So, Andy, thanks ever so much. So, with our thanks, actually, to Andy and more than one person over the next few weeks, proving at last that we have more than one listener, and also that it must be a very pressing topic, we ask this question on today's set-piece menu. Is it okay to support a second team? Whether it's for geographical relocation issues, wanting a team close to home perhaps, or maybe you're just fed up of following a team that never wins anything or is ever likely to, are you allowed to have more than one team, or even cue the horror stab? change teams. Well, hang on. Whoa, 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 Kev, whoa, Kev, whoa, careful whoa, as Careful as you breathe in there because it means a breathe out which might infect us all. So. Oh, that's a point. Yes, yeah, just sorry. be careful. This last option was a discussion point last week, certainly in the BBC office, when a piece in The Spectator written by a guy called Damien Riley did the rounds. Do you know Damien Riley, Rory? I don't know him, but I have read the piece. You've read the piece. It starts with this line. I had 20 good years supporting Manchester United, but now I follow Arsenal. That's when what? I stopped reading, by the way. At that point... It okay. lost all credibility. Chinch looks like someone's just asked him to, but to move his stepdaughter back the into thing the is, <laughs> The thing is, I'm, I'm not the biggest football fan because I was a very talented player at a young age. <laughs> so it's always been more of a profession. To, how can you go if United to Arsenal? Well, he goes on to admit that such a revelation is likely to be considered heresy as your face. Your face suggests... This says heresy. Heresy. Face. Your face is heretic. Is that right? Heretical. I don't know how... Heretic. Her- 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 heroic. Her- no. Heroic. Heretical. Heretical. Her- heretical. Heretical. Um, but he also makes the point that it's absurd how fans, Arsenal fans in his example, seem far happier complaining for years on end about their manager, for example, and not just simply finding another the team to support. So then, is it okay to dilute your footballing passions and have a second team? Your face has not changed from its expression Hmm. of heresy. Well, it's true. I've never been born and bred in Manchester kind of a City fan, but I never went to watch them as a kid because I was playing for kind of school teams, junior teams, county teams, and then went and joined City and, and was a professional at 17. So I've never really understood how a fan truly feels. You've not experienced fandom then? Not experienced fandom. Is that a word, fandom? It it's is, as yeah. much as it is hereditary. I've experienced a lot in my life, Stephen, but fandom isn't one of those things. Well, so explain to me. Surely it's tribal, it's passion, it's, but just it's from, everything, isn't Just it? from a, a footballer's point of view, yeah. Michael Owen famously said when he joined Manchester United after having played for Liverpool at the time, it doesn't matter to him because it is a job. Yeah. He supports all the teams that he plays for mm. because they're paying him loads of money. Mm. And there's an idea, isn't it? Was it Jermaine Genus we used as an example recently who said that I look at all the, all the teams that I played for at the end of a Saturday afternoon to see how they all have done. So actually, from a player's point of view, it's, it's almost that is the example of somebody who can spread yeah. their loyalty. Yes, but then if you said to them, you've got to spend your own money to go and watch one of those sides, do you you really think they'd be passionate enough to say, yes, I'm going to go and watch Tottenham. Yes, I'm going to go and watch Man City play. They, they clearly don't feel, you can't do if you do it as a job from a young age, you can't feel the passion that surely a fan 
you go for very different reasons when you're a young kid to watch a football team. Don't you get more involved from that aspect of it? If you're out on the field playing for them, it is a profession, it's a job. Win, lose or draw, you've still got the next week to play, the next year to play, the next five years of your contract. So as a fan, surely it's, it's kind of, you, you're kind of steeped in it, aren't you? You can't change. Well, to the point that he made, that, that piece that a lot of people, it's on The Spectator, if you've not read it, maybe don't read it, then come back to the podcast. Yeah, we'll tweet a link to it as we'll, well tweet on the at, at, at Set Piece Mini Twitter page. Because we're really helpful. Like that's, that's quite, we're, we're good like that. So I, I think it is, probably, it's probably not a satire, but I think it is written knowingly that what he's saying is wrong. Yeah, is it clickbait? Well, I don't think it's clickbait. I think that, I think there Ten are reasons why I stopped supporting Manchester United. You'll never believe number eight. Yeah, the, the <laughs> fandom, clickbait. What are, what are you on today? We're, we're educating you. You're on fire. Just, That's just what you are. Absolutely. So no, I think that he, he wrote it. Does anyone mind the noise of the dodge scratching his antlers? No, that's fine. It's is good to have Hector that, involved. Is that atmospheric? He's, he's, sort of, he's meant to be on his cushion. He's probably not. just as hungry as we are, but don't dwell on it. Oh, I'm crying out loud. He's eaten today. Uh, some of us can't keep anything down. That's not true. I'm not that ill. Uh, he... Uh, yeah, so I think he wrote it knowing that what he... I think it's it's hammed up. I don't think it's clickbait. I think it's hammed up. But I do think he makes a couple of interesting points, which are supporting a football team, whether we like to admit it or not, is a choice. You do have the choice not to support that football team. You can opt out. And a lot of people, this is something that isn't quite heretical, but is not often spoken about. A lot of people, as they get older, the relationship with your team changes. You, you yeah. don't have that. So I was at Chelsea West Brom before I got ill. Maybe they made you ill. And that is possible. Although um, the Balti Pies at West no, Brom are, the Balti Pie was amazing. are sensational. And also I was ill beforehand. The drive down was horrible. But anyway, uh, just after Chelsea scored, Michi, Michi Batshuayi with the title winning goal. Mm-hmm. Beautifully um, reported on, on BBC uh, News. Oh, that's that should, right. That should be noted. Were you doing the 10 o'clock news? Just after, yeah. Yeah, Kate yeah. said she saw you and she said she got really excited. So was she excited because the news had come to an end and it meant that she could catch up with the real housewives of wherever? No. She, I mean, I'm amazed, to be honest, I'm amazed she was awake at 10.30. But she, um, <laughs> she's, she's normally in bed at half nine at this point in her life. But um, And forevermore, by the way. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No more late nights. No, I know. But no, she got really excited at seeing Hughes. She's like, Hughes, she, I think she texted me and said, Hughes doing the, the 10 o'clock news. I'd be like, yeah. That's what he does. Your yeah. husband Hugh- works for the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Edwards presents the 10 o'clock news all the time. I bet his wife is so impressed every day. Hugh Edwards. I love Hugh Edwards. I'm obsessed with Hugh Edwards. What's funny is when Hugh throws to Hugh. Oh my God. We've that's actually, so, he gets so, so much mileage out of it. So BBC. We, we, we had a thing. There's, there's, there's too many Hughes. You know, no, it was lovely. So you were at West so, Brom Chelsea. Yeah, so, so back to White Straws. And then in the Birmingham Road end, West Brom had put out this warning before the game that any home fans taught selling tickets to travelling fans would be banned for life, I think. The goal was in front of the Chelsea fans and I was sat more towards the Birmingham Road end where the West Brom fans were. And within about 30 seconds, a whole section of seats had been cleared. There'd obviously been, I don't know, 10, 12 Chelsea fans in there who'd celebrated. The West Brom fans reacted. There was lots of fighting. Fans started to spill onto the pitch. None of this, interestingly, was picked up by the Sky cameras, despite it being enormously obvious and gone on for about five minutes. Well, they deliberately don't, because if yeah, it, there's yeah. any sort of pitch invasion which isn't yeah. a, a normal or celebratory pitch invasion, they won't ever show it. They, they consider it to be an, an illegal act, so they won't give it any publicity. Mm-hmm. I would, yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, I wonder whether it, it is partly to um, to sanitise the view yeah. of the Premier League. Anyway, so it, it was going off quite a long time, and I said to the fan next to me that it's a double stupidity, that. So if you're a Chelsea fan who's got a ticket for the West Brom game to see your team win the title, you've just had this amazing moment where Batshuayi scored for like five, six minutes mm. left, you're going to win the lead, brilliant. 
you don't actually have to jump up and down if you're in, in amongst the home fans. Just just keep. I've yeah. sat. I've it's sat, instinctive though. Well, no, I've sat in in the home end at Ellen Road and watched the team that I support win mm. and had the brains not to celebrate. Did you pay for the ticket? Yes. You did. Okay. And had the brains not to celebrate? I've, mm-hmm. I've done the same at Old Trafford watching yeah. my yeah. team score a goal and I had to grasp the thigh of the gentleman yeah. sat next to me. I, I, who I, I did, knew. I did the same in a, a cup, <laughs> final, Lord, a cup <laughs> final. Cup final at what is now the Principality Stadium. Yeah. I was sat with the supporters of the other team and managed to hold myself together. So it struck me as being, it's not, for all we, we Chinch is right, like people say oh, it's instinctive, but it, you can control yourself. We've all been in situations where you can control yourself if you we want to say something, but you can't, or you want to punch someone in the face, but you know that that's broadly frowned upon in society. But the <laughs> other stupidity... certainly won't be shown by the Premier League cameras. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> but the other stupidity is the West Brom fans, and this always strikes me, I'm not, I'm not going to mention American sports, but rugby league, which is a tough sport played by tough teams in tough places, Rugby league fans sit together, and it always strikes me as being astonishingly thick that you can be a football fan sitting like West Brom don't hate Chelsea. There's no real mm, rivalry yeah. there. You see someone celebrate because their team's won the league. What on earth makes you think? Oh, I'm, I'm, I've got to attack that person mm. for crying out loud. It's just so dumb. Mm. But anyway, I don't know why I brought that up. Anyway, it's been on my mind mm. in my fever. <laughs> but for all the none we- of this happened, by the way. This is just some sort of weird could sweaty it, dream. Could have been hallucination. You do know Tottenham have won the league, don't you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Anyway, no. But so I think that, that for all we act like it's this big instinctive thing that that overtakes us. It's a religion. It's not a religion. It is a choice. You do have a choice not to support a football team, and you can opt out of it. A lot of people. That's where I started, wasn't it? Mm. A lot of people, as they get older, they do their support m- sort of. M- Mellows. Mellows a little bit for their team. And certainly my, my dad's a case in point. He, he basically supported Leicester until he was 30, stopped for a bit, and then quite enjoyed them winning the lead. But it, he's not a supporter of Leicester. He just wants them to do well. So the point that the guy raises in that spectator piece is legitimate. You, there is a point at which you could say, look, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Not that you can change teams. Because you can never have that. I don't believe you can have the same love for a new team as you did for an old. But you can certainly say, look, this team is not working out for me anymore. So maybe I'll, I've got other things in my life. That is possible. We've established that Chinch is not a football fan at all. No, I love football. I, I, I love you're a fan of a club. Fan of a club. Of football. I'm a fan of the game. <laughs> but you're not, the, not a Pelé, supporter Maradona of a club. myself. Are the other three of us mm. really typical football fans? Because what Rory says obviously has a great deal of logic to it. And I've long felt that the, the team that I support is a legacy, a tragic one that has been handed down from my grandfather through my dad to me and my brothers. And I have now imposed it on my children as well. But Brainwashed. My, my dad is a, is a season ticket holder and two of my three brothers in particular are massively passionate about the way they go about supporting our club. Mm-hmm. I feel which, which brother is the odd one out? Is it is it Celebrity Dave Wyeth? Celebrity Dave Wyeth is a little bit more separated from it, as I feel I am now. Matthew Wyeth, is he Luke Wyeth. He's not adopted, is he? <laughs> he probably bit, explain he it. It would explain the reasons. He can run a lot yeah. further than any yeah, other yeah, brothers. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We have learned recently that he can't run a full twenty-six point yeah, well, two miles. <laughs> I, I, I have <laughs> slacker. I, I, I do feel like the, the other the other mm. three of us would have found a way of getting to the end oh, on our own. Oh, we'd have dug okay. deep. Yeah. Yes, but, I yeah. have confidence yeah. that you would have done. Actually, yeah. wouldn't have given up so easily. But just for the headlines, I feel like since since moving geographically and working in the industry that we work in, that you. That my my although I still support the club that I've, I've followed since I was young, I feel like I'm much more understanding about the ebb and flow of yeah. football. The those things that would infu- used to infuriate you and you know could potentially ruin your entire week. 
the injustices don't bother me so much now. I, I get a sense that I'm much more able to see that these things even themselves out. I think I've mentioned in the past how on those rare occasions where I do get an opportunity to go and, and, and see my team and, and sit with the home fans that as they're all going wild about a refereeing decision, I'm a bit more kind of, do you know what? I think I'll, I'll wait and reserve judgment yeah, until yeah. I've seen, you know, the highlights on match of the day later, because, you know, we've, we've analyzed these things professionally, you know, in our roles as, you know, commentators, reporters, uh, journalists, and, and you, you understand that sometimes these things happen, you know, mistakes are made or that actually, do you know what, until you've seen it in slow-mo, mm. you're not, you're not mm. entirely convinced by what's happened anyway. So are, are we, are we typical football fans? Can we really analyze the mindset of, of somebody who, who would be the same age as us, but has supported their team through thick and thin for 30 odd years and, and can't shake off the shackles of that, that, that fandom. Is that yeah, word yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fandom. So mm. the, the, we've just outlined two mitigating circumstances, whether it's professional concerns because you have to move away or because we're in the media and we're, we're probably just a little bit more detached from that, yeah. that kind of blood and thunder supporting of our team or whether it just mellows or wanes. And that also could be for geographical reasons because a family can move around. It's not geographically yeah. tied to that club. So those, those two are mitigating circumstances is why you don't necessarily love your first team as much as others. But that then prompts the argument, well, do you then have a second team? I think it's weird if fans don't have second teams. I, um, I know that's they may well... I don't know. I think I get the impression that our audience are all eloquent and articulate and intelligent, so they probably won't react badly. But that, I think, is the sort of thing that people say, no, it's rubbish, kind of it. <laughs> so where do they come from? Where do the second teams come from? What is the genesis of I the second team? So how do you justify it? So the team is, is it the modern way of support? Because how old were you when you first went to watch a game? Very uh, young? Yeah, six or seven, so I think. I was yeah. thinking now, somebody at six or seven going to watch modern football, mm. Are they as invested in it, or because the game is very different, the world surrounding? So, do you start off in a different level, thinking, "Well, I like Man United, but you know, if it doesn't go so well, you can kind of float around clubs rather than saying United are my club for the next thirty years." Is it different for younger kids now starting out supporting teams? So, I think it's different both to make it more fervent and less. Mm. So, I think you have more. A, it's, all these discussions have to be prefaced with it. It costs a lot more money, so it's a lot harder mm. to go to football now. On one hand, I think you have more access to people, to things like Real Madrid, Barcelona, Dortmund, Bayern. You can see what amazing football looks like all the time. Kids are drawn to Messi and to Neymar and to Ronaldo. So that means that you're more likely... I think, I think we're going to see a generation of kids grow up supporting Barcelona and Real Madrid okay. in this country. Well, uh, that, that, that is happening. At Rory's school, Rory is Not six. my school, I'm not at not school. <laughs> <laughs> Young Rory rather than old Rory. They, there are definitely kids at his school, although a lot of them support City, some support United. There's one or two Liverpool fans. There are those who support Barcelona and Real Madrid. There's a couple of theories as to why. Those teams are available to watch on the television, which they weren't, you know, for, for our generation when we were younger. So they're they they've got ex, they're exposed to that brilliance and they can enjoy it. But also that South Manchester, where we live, very cosmopolitan. People like Hugh, Rory, and myself have moved to the area from other parts of of England, and that is true of many of the families in our local school. I anticipate that it's it's easier for the for the the dad perhaps of of that son or daughter 
for them to, to support Barcelona and Real Madrid than it is for them to perhaps adopt Manchester City or Manchester ah. United as local teams because they've grown up potentially as Arsenal or Chelsea fans and it would be difficult for them to, to, to sort of go out and buy a City or United kit. It would sort of go against the very fabric of their, their being but actually they don't mind going out and buying a Barcelona shirt with yeah, Messi yeah, on the yeah. back because that's a different it sort bypass, of rivalry. It bypasses yeah. the tribalism. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. so you don't... Because so a, lot, a lot of your second team feelings as your first team feelings are associated with negativity towards other teams rather than yeah. necessarily a positive feeling engendered or instinctively within you. So with the two of you, the, the side that you supported when you were a kid, did you have a second team then or was it just the team that you supported? You didn't think I of did. well, quite like them well, let's, as well. Let's, let's go around and find, find out about second teams if we do have them and, and how they came about and if anybody who is listening agrees with how this came about, you know, get in touch and, and let us know either on Twitter or on, or on email because... Rory, you you have had different second teams and soft spots, if you like, throughout your life. So I'll exclude the ones that are professional that have come later on, uh, because that's that's a different sort of thing. So I know Rafa, so I wanted Newcastle to be promoted. I want them to do one in the Premier League. Uh, There was a time before I upset him when I got on very well with Roberto Martinez. I was delighted when Widen won the FA Cup, but then we fell out. Uh, And (laughs) that why he moved to Belgium. It was my fault, and I forced him to move to Brussels. Uh, But he seems to be enjoying it. He wears lovely suits. so yeah, you, ha- you kind of have, as Steve said, you have professional interests. Yeah. I think that's the other thing that for journalists yes. d- diminishes the support of one team. We tend to know the people at a club and, and that often helps us make a decision as opposed to the club itself. Yeah, and also, you, so you want the people you know to do well and the, you know, the clubs where you're, there's people that you like or admire and equally if someone that you don't like goes into your club, you find that it's much... You just not that you don't support them, but that you maybe aren't quite as hurt when they lose. Anyway, <laughs> uh, in terms of second teams, Hearts in Scotland. Because of the colour of their kit? And it's a cool name, but mainly because I had a friend when I was a kid who was oh, a right, okay. But you're uh, all Hearts as well, aren't you? So I am all Hearts. But I, I, I used to like Hearts because of their badge. The badge because when you collected football, your stickers yeah. when you were a kid in 1985-86 and you got Six. the shiny, shiny badges... 1986, not 1986. No, I said sit. <laughs> I was talking to Hector, who's misbehaving. So the the, the badge was, was something that, that appealed to me. So The best badge in football. Is that what you just said, Rory? It is the best badge in football. The Hearts of badge is, is hard to say. Hearts Hearts badge Napoli. Napoli. Maybe it's a subject for another podcast, <laughs> but the best badge in football? It might be, it might be one to, to get us through yeah. the, um, the summer. The summer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dull summer. summer. Recess. Badges. So you've yeah. got Hearts. You've got um, Hearts. Who else did you have as your second team? Aston Villa. I had Aston Villa. What years? Mid-90s. Oh, I was early 90s. I liked Mark Bosnich. I liked the fact that Gordon Cowens looked like he was 55 and yet wasn't. I did not like that. That was one of the negative <laughs> things. I How old were you when you thought about Gordon Cowens like that? I would have been about 12. You were thinking 12, about 13. Gordon Cowens the, in those terms. The Graham Taylor teams of 1991, the ones mm. that finished second or, or mm. third or fourth or wherever it was the other year. Um, yes, I, I liked it. David Platt wearing number eight. I, that, that, we, I just liked, I I liked the colour of the kit. I can chuck in Coventry. Coventry. Uh, for the West Midland granddad played Your for granddad them. played for Coventry. We, we, had, we had a kid at school. I went to school, grew up in, in Hampshire. We had a kid at school. And bearing in mind, this is long before the Walker billions kicked in and they became Premier League champions. He supported Blackburn Rovers mm-hmm. because he liked the kit. And they were really? a fairly obscure team at the time. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't think Blackburn have got a very nice kit. Well, they might have done back then. Is that the quarters? Did they have the quarters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm never, was, not a yeah. fan of the quarters. But, he liked but, it. Anyway. but when you were a kid... He was, yeah. he was a bit of a troublemaker. Wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, when you're young, it fluctuates, doesn't it? With, with storylines, players that you like, watching yeah. maybe FA Cup finals from 11 o'clock on the Saturday morning. Yes, I had that, that yes. Coventry for that reason. I had that thing with... I, I, Glenn Hoddle was my favourite 
favourite player uh, so I, I did have a soft spot for, for Spurs even though they, they weren't the we're roughly nice the same player. age and Spurs and Liverpool because mid 80s when we were growing up 6 and 7 we started paying mm, attention yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we hated Argentina because of Diego Maradona and the hand of God still do by the way and we like we like Spurs because the football played they played and they were doing well at the time with Waddle and Hoddle and we liked Liverpool because they were winning everything and that's that's the kind of instinctive decisions a child makes and, and those can affect you throughout your life well, you can call back those moments and think well I still like those teams well that's why I think it's weird that well I say weird so I, there's, there's two different things there's supporting there's been a football fan like Chinch and liking football and there is supporting a club and in 95% of cases those things overlap but there are a lot of cases well maybe not 95 but there's a lot of cases where they don't overlap and those cases tend to be quite loud so you can be a Liverpool fan or a Man United fan or an Arsenal fan and not really be a football fan. You can only watch your team. And I think, I think increasing, this was the other thing I was going to say. So I think in, in one sense for kids now, they're exposed to more football than ever. Yeah. But I think they're also more imbued with this idea that all that matters is their club. So you speak to people of, of previous generations to us and they'll say that, you know, I've got people who support Spurs who used to go to Highbury every other Saturday because that's where the, there was live football. Yeah. My dad was a Leicester fan. So Leicester's another of my second teams. Uh, as I said, I've got a lot of them. Uh, my dad was a Leicester fan who used to go and occasionally watch matches at Forest because he he didn't it was the fifties and sixties he didn't care there was no kind of you're not in Forest we want to kill you because that is as we should all know objectively complete nonsense and really stupid mm. he was a bit like right well, I can get the train from Leicester to Nottingham I'll go and watch Forest yeah. it wasn't a big deal and there's a lot of kind of there, there was a lot more kind of sense that it was football that you liked and you you in American parlance, rooted for one team, but you enjoyed the sport. I think if, if I put a football match on, on TV, on the rare occasions that I'm allowed to put a football match on TV, the, I tend within about 10, 15 minutes, if I don't, if there'll be a lot of occasions when I'll see who's playing and I'll just think, right, I want them to win straight away. Does that, yeah. does of some, yeah. so Fiorentina I playing, definitely do that. I yeah. want Fiorentina to win. If AC Milan are playing, I want AC Milan to lose. And the, you have all, the, these aren't, it's not that I'm biased for or against any of them. It's just that that's my instinctive thing. And even if I don't, if it's two teams that I don't have any great... If it's like Wren playing Toulouse, within 10 minutes, I think, right, I want him to win. I want yeah. that player. I like that player. I want him to win. Or I like their kit. I want them to win. Or their away fans are amazing. They can... I, you, you just invest in the team. And I think that you... Like those stupid betting adverts, it matters more when there's money on it. It doesn't. It matters more when there's emotion involved. And so when you have that debate about... But what's people the, use money for emotion. Yeah. You're substituting the emotion yes. for money, yeah. and the or, or you're tying the two in together. Yeah. That yeah. your emotional instinct that, that drives you towards one team will will govern which way perhaps yeah. you would yeah. place having your a, bet. Having yeah, a yeah. horse in the race yeah, is yeah, more exactly entertaining yeah. than having or, a horse. Yeah, you're saying that that you're used to watching football as a fan. So if you're not actually that interested in watching football unless there's someone that you support, and it's it's a lot cheaper just to think right, I like their kit, I'll, I want them to win, and then when you when they don't, you sort of think right, well, at least I've not lost fifty quid. Um, but I just think that that's, that's kind of instinctive, that there's that you tend to kind of have a, I don't know, to kind of invest a little bit in, in certain teams. And you do, over, over years, build up biases towards certain clubs or, not biases, preferences for certain clubs. And they're not strong. And certainly as a journalist, it would never mean, like, I refuse to write anything nice about AC Milan. But you just have these things that you kind of think, well, yeah, I like that team, I like that team. And I, think it's, I do think it's genuinely odd. When people don't, when people don't look across football, I, Man City, another of my second teams, because of Georgie Tintlanty, 
just loved Georgie King Clancy. So I do think we need to open this up to our listenership to find out yeah, who the most ludicrous teams? reasons. Not who are your second teams, because we could probably say, well, any team you can understand. But why? Yeah. Why do you go? What is it? What is the emotion? What 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 is the spark? that makes you think about a team in a certain way. And if you don't have a second team, why not? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you have to, though. It's surely, is it, at the start of this, I was amazed that people do or think of switching. You can have a second team, can't you? But switching oh, completely to another team is, so, is really... The, we the switching. Having yeah, a second that, team yeah. is normal. Well, just, can we just, before we get to the switching, because there is the other end of this, this spectrum, is that I've got a friend of mine who supports Blackpool. He okay. is a, a, a very passionate Blackpool supporter, so he's having a pretty tough time of yeah. things over the last you know couple of seasons. He hates every other team conceivable. So look, you'd, you'd anticipate that he would dislike Preston, Burnley, Blackburn, their immediate Fleetwood, Lanc- Fleetwood yeah, now their immediate Lancashire rivals. Filed town. AFC PSG of non-league. I just made that up. The upwardly mobile AFC file. He'd say stuff to me like, we've got Gillingham this weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. Surely there's not a problem. We hate Gillingham. I hate. Why? Is he psychologically what? damaged? Though? Come on he, now. Why can he put this? Yeah, I remember going there in like 1989 and we were winning 1-0 and right at the, the end they scored a goal which I'm convinced was offside. <laughs> so he hates and that's them. That's the reason he dislikes them. And it'd be like the next week, Warsaw at home this weekend. We flipping despise <laughs> Warsaw. Like, why? Well, because their manager once <laughs> said he had a, an affinity for Preston and we've never forgiven him for it. You know, it's like, and this went on and on and on. So he definitely doesn't have a second team. Yeah, he yeah. hates every other single team. Well, that's even more interesting. Yeah. We, we should see how many teams he genuinely oh. hates and reasons behind the top 10. And the reasons the top can 10 fluctuate. Hates. So, for example, if you're just, you know, a Manchester United fan or, or a Liverpool fan or, and you're going for, for a title or a cup and, and something will happen in that season you will have different rivals mm. and that rival might have a different manager and that manager yeah. might have been a previous oh, manager yes. for a previous yes. rival, you know and all these things and so mm. you know if you city will hate liverpool this year because they're fighting for the same thing united will will hate everton this year because they're going for a different you know and, mm. and, and those things do they really hate them though but because well, it's, it's they self-serving they, they want they hate. want that team to not do well yeah, so no, they, they, they they develop i think it's i think that's what it is i think it's that it's weird. It's one of those things that in football it's accepted, but when you kind of zoom out of it, it's it's really weird. And it's the, I had the same the same sort of realization at West Brom Chelsea when someone did the um, he's injured, put the ball out for throwing. Oh no, he's not injured anymore. Have it back. Dance, which is the most ridiculous <laughs> convention in the world. And it's this thing that you you see on a football pitch all of the time, and no one ever questions. But when you actually sit back and think about it, you think that. That is really stupid. And hating other teams, all right, fine, you direct rivals, maybe. Yeah. But you shouldn't, hate is a strong word. Like, hate is a beard word. Yeah. It's uh, the word he uses. You, you don't say in real life that you hate a lot of people. And it's strange in football, but I think it's because it's, it's almost the flip side of supporting. It adds an extra dimension of emotion if you really want that team not to, that, this, the, these other teams not to win. Well, it makes it more interesting. If there's the drug of success, that if you're particularly supporting a team that can achieve success, the only way to double down on that is to have 
every other rival to your success losing. You Fail. get the same sense, the same endorphins must throw th- flow through you, and therefore it's as addictive as it is seeing your team succeed. But yeah. your team can only play 38 matches exactly. in the Premier League season. You've got all those other games that you want to get yourself emotionally involved with. If you hate 91 other teams, then... Does he hate foreign teams as well? Does he... Oh, can I just slam <laughs> and I hate them? Like, I don't know if they've ever had to... Blackpool <laughs> fans haven't had to worry about that much, have they? Santos! Oh, don't get me started on Santos! Blackpool <laughs> Bloody Pelé! Blackpool once went on a pre-season tour to Brazil. <laughs> they, they had it. Um, we were going to just briefly, because um, it's, it's a rare circumstance, I would imagine, we are going to briefly just round things off by saying about switching teams. And the point that Damien Riley was making in that Spectator article was that he switched to Arsenal from Manchester United because he liked Wenger's philosophy. He'd like United prior to that because of all the drama, the swashbuckling style under, under Sir Alex Ferguson, which, funnily enough, United fans have been complaining about their team not having since Sir Alex Ferguson left. All the drama of continually winning. That's not drama. <laughs> but if you, if you win and you win, it's the same with every team. If you win, you always think it's been the most hard-earned, yeah, the most yeah. we, we snatched it out of the jaws of defeat. That's just how you feel because you're so nervous about not winning. So that's, that's an understandable thing. But... He, he talks about the fact that I, I'm going to make my decision based on the fact that, oh, yes, that's that's the kind of football I like to watch. So I'm going to go and uh, support that team. And the, the, as you started with, that it's not a religion. You can choose based on what you would like to support, literally support. It's not a religion. And I think a lot of damage is done because we pretend it is. Oh, but also a lot of newspapers are sold and TV subscriptions. So we probably shouldn't pretend it isn't. But it's not a religion, but it is also not a consumer a consumer choice. That's not how football works. It's different. It's a community institution which shouldn't command the same sort of slavish loyalty as a religion, but also is not something you can just opt out of because you like a different option. What that is, is a a full-on neoliberal interpretation of what being a football fan is, and it is wrong. That's not how it works. You can't pick and choose. You can, as I say, you can allow your support to drift, and in its place, I imagine, you can allow an affection for another team to rise, which is what you see in America, where people move, you know, as the snowbirds move to Florida and adopt the Florida teams as theirs. I, I refuse to believe that the affection is ever as strong for the team, for the adopted team as it was for the, the one you grew up with. I refuse to believe that. Well, it's the absurdity of what the spectator piece, from my point of view, was that you may have made the choice that you're no longer going to support Manchester United or go and watch Manchester United. And you know what? You like the way that Arsenal play. Their ground is conveniently located for you. So you're now going to go and watch Arsenal on a regular basis. But it's that it's the word support. I just don't believe that you can transfer that from one club yeah. to another. Follow, maybe. Yeah. Might Follow be. Or, or watch. Wish or, well. Yeah. You can wish them well. Yeah, I, I now am a regular attendee of their games <laughs> and an admirer of the way they go about their business. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, you are not a supporter of that club. Oh, yeah, that's definitely true. You can go and watch a different team and because you like watching them aesthetically, because they are aesthetically pleasing to you. There'll be lots of people who liked Barcelona because they are aesthetically pleasing. You're a supporter when it hurts as much when they lose yeah. as when it as, as, as it delights you when they win. And it, I refuse to believe that if you switch, that it ever hurts as much when they it's lose. It's a thick thing. You've got to be sure if you support a team. I yeah. see, I'm saying this, I've never really supported a team at all. No, I haven't. But surely it's a thick and thin. It can't just be, well, I'll support them when they're doing really well and if things start to get a bit tough or the philosophy changes... I'll go and support another team who's playing the way I think. Surely, don't you stick with yeah. your original team come hell or high water? you got to suffer, have you? Otherwise, what's the point? That's the very definition of fandom, Chinch. 
Is that a word? <laughs> yes, it's definitely a word. You've got to suffer. Fandom. Just it might as much sound like a female, a female um, I know where you're going with this. Product. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is not. It's not. It is an actual not. word. This no. seems like a beautiful moment to segue from a serious soccer moment to a serious soccer story. Ooh. Because it's time for Nevermind Jack and Ori. What a soccer story when Andy tells us a tale from his playing days that has had all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. Please unload. Well, I've, I've, we've kind of I've skirted around the story with you. I've, I've outlined the story. I have to be a little bit careful. Yes, because it has to have all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. Yes. It says here. Right, okay. I'll try my best. And if I get it wrong, just... Have you got a klaxon or a noise you can make? (laughs) No klaxons. Oh, I love klaxons, don't I? I love klaxons. Anyway, anyway. Apply your own klaxons. Back to the story. I joined Everton in uh, the summer of 1990. Howard Kendall sold me for Man City, so I joined Everton. Howard Kendall then joined Everton in (laughs) November 1990. Luckily, I was injured, so I didn't have to play for him. But this was the following summer, the first pre-season under Howard after he came back in 1991. So we go to Switzerland for a pre-season tour. Now, Howard Kendall's pre-season tours are not as you would probably expect pre-season tours to be. I think we've mentioned them in passing. They involved quite a lot of (laughs) socialising. And alcohol, which probably you wouldn't think players should be doing when they're trying to get fit for the start of the season. But this is just how Howard did things. So we're away in, in Switzerland for about eight days. So we do all the training in the morning and all that kind of stuff. Eat the pasta and chicken and everything for lunch. And then come the evening, we had a bit of time to kill. Howard used to, come on, lads, we're going out. So I was rooming with Peter Beagry, who I, who I roomed with for probably three or four years while I was at Everton. And now you room with for Sky. No, we don't. We stay in our own homes. <laughs> but anyway, anyway. For the basis of this so story, yes, this story. Peter Maybe Barry because Peter still rooms yes, together. Yes, yes. So we've been out for the evening. Peter has enjoyed himself, shall we say, with the wine and the beer. So we get back to our room. It, it must be two o'clock in the morning. Beegs is a little bit worse for wear. He, he, he picks up the phone to phone down to reception because he's quite hungry. He wants a pizza. <laughs> There's a, an automated... <laughs> machine because it's gone beyond midnight everyone's gone home they just put a machine on Beegs then speaks to this machine for half an hour <laughs> to try and talk it round <laughs> to get a pizza delivered which clearly was never gonna I'm lying there thinking what is he doing he's going over and over eventually he gives up so we go to sleep and about four half four in the morning I hear this kind of it's like a hose pipe's going off you know like a hose pipe when it's on a reel and then somebody turns the water on and you can feel it kind of thrashing around a bit and liquids maybe being dispensed Uh, and I think I'm dreaming but in the morning I realise that I'm not so we both wake up and Peter's bed is a little bit sweaty. <laughs> damp. It's damp. It's a bit moist. <laughs> so we've got to go training. So we both training kit on. We go, Peter just leaves the bed. We go out to the veranda. And all the lads are kind of down in like the car park. There's benches waiting for the coach to pick us up. So we all kind of hustle off downstairs. We're all sat in this big long row of, of Everton players waiting for the coach to pick us up for training. Two poor chambermaids. You can, we, Peter and I are sat there watching. They go up the steps. I'm thinking, oh, please don't go into that room. Please don't go into that room. So they both go into our room, clearly to give it a clean-up. The next thing we see is the door comes banging open. These two little young chamber are carrying this sodden mattress out onto the veranda. To Clearly they realise what's happened here. It needs drying off in the sun. So they bring it out and they lean it up against the, the, the veranda. They look down, clearly knowing it's, it's our room, it's the footballers' rooms. They look down at us all. I'm sat next to Peter. Peter looks up at the chambermaids and then points at me. <laughs> As if I've done it. So these poor chambermaids, look at you, dirty, dirty boy. And it wasn't even me. It wasn't even me. That sounds like... 
the sort of thing a man who it was yeah. and is trying to blame it on Peter Beadry would say. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true that's at exactly all. exactly what you would do if you were are you using, Are you using set-piece menu football podcast as, no, as, as a confessional? To, yeah, as, a, as an attempt no. to <laughs> re- re- rewrite history. You, you're, I'm shocked. You think that is something. Are you using our collective popularity? No. Yeah, I think this is trying to, try to address this issue. Popularity. Yeah. Well, mm. it's a bit of a push, isn't it? But, so you're now thinking that I then did yeah. this, and now I'm passing it off as Beadry's We're just work. saying that I've not seen anything in Peter Beadry's body of work to suggest that that, that is. I've seen a lot of what was in Peter Beadry's body. <laughs> I refer you oh. to a previous uh, soccer story which involved Chinch blaming somebody else for yeah, something yeah, yeah. that he had done. Really? Yes. But was it me? It was you. Almost certainly. Yes. Oh, yes, I know what it is now. I should have been sacked for it, you're right. <laughs> so thank you uh, to Andy Hinchcliffe for that wonderful story. If you have any questions you'd like to ask Chinch um, to be able to prompt a memory in his, his mind about what either Peter Beagre had done or any of his former teammates, uh, send them to at setpiecemenu or setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Just include the hashtag AskChinch if they are on social media. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Do subscribe, share, rate and review. We humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Uh, thank you to the contributors to today's episode, Steve, Rory and Andy, we'll be back with another set piece menu for you to enjoy very, very soon. I hate being ill. I hate being ill. We hate you being ill as you well. You don't look particularly ill. No. Get That's hungry. Kate said I looked sallow the other day, yeah, which was really hurtful. Is sallow kind of thin and a bit. Do you, know, you know the Portuguese pale. guy who won Eurovision? He was sallow. Did you watch Eurovision? Mm. I, did. uh, I, yes, I didn't watch Eurovision, but I did see pictures of him arriving back oh, yeah, um, in Portugal. Yeah. Thousands of people turned up to greet their did returning the Eurovision hero. Well, I didn't get the song. I didn't get it. Was it, it. Portuguese was in Portuguese, ballad. so you... you sounded, like, speaking yeah. of, now that we've got a family guy thing on our SoundCloud header, the song that the pederast Herbert sings about Chris, which is somewhere yes. in the screen... I heard the Portuguese song and just thought of the paedophile Herbert thing. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did, did you not know of this gentleman with all the time that you spent in Portugal? Surely you must have known uh, about no, Sabral. I, I actually spoke to Carlos Carvajal, the Portuguese manager of, uh, of Sheffield Wednesday, who was punching the air with delight. Was it? Oh, and I said, but it Portugal. was a terrible song, wasn't it? Was it? A ballad, oh, yeah, wasn't it was a terrible ballad. It was appalling. It was, yeah. It There's no way you can happened. actually describe what that song is, I apart great, from dreadful. I love the fact that Carlos Carvajal, in, in the macho world of football, was, was so interested in Eurovision. Yeah, but he's a, He's a football coach, but he's a human being as well. Yeah, but interestingly, football Twitter during Eurovision is just Eurovision. It's the only thing. It has this amazing unifying power on Twitter. <laughs> but everyone watches Eurovision. I know. I was, I was thinking there was there was people there was journalists I respected who uh, who were tweeting obsessively about Eurovision. I thought. Do you know what, people? You are better than this. You know what, Steve? <laughs> Do Steve, not stoop you can say to that. the level of Eurovision. Kate said to me just before Eurovision started, in the midst of my fever, she said, "Did you know?" that it's 10 years to the day since we first met because I first met my wife at a Eurovision viewing party. Interesting fact. I'm uh, In my I own am flat that I was attending out of uh, compul- compulsion rather than actually wanting to be there. Well, you should have so skipped it by way of a protest. <laughs> it's very special to me. I'm actually... You've, Eurovision you've, is very Who won that year? Serbia. My it brother mentioned it in his best man speech, actually. Really? Yeah. He said... Um, uh, Kate and Rory both in fact it was the highlight of the best man speech he said Kate and Rory met at uh, a Eurovision viewing party but I think we all know who the real winners were Serbia <laughs> <laughs>